From the studios of Fractal Recording, this is The Mystic Show, episode 117. everyone welcome to the mystic show or welcome back if you're a regular listener i'm your host chris curran i'm happy you're able to join me this is the show where we talk about spirituality and mindfulness and meditation and uh mysticism as well and that reminds me i wanted to read a couple definitions that i just put up on uh, on our website real quick before I forget, um, if you go to themysticshow.net, that's our website, and I put these definitions up there. Uh, The word mystic is a person who gains spiritual knowledge through prayer and deep thought. I'll read it again. Mystic, a person who gains spiritual knowledge through prayer and deep thought. And the next One is mysticism, the definition, or, you know, there's obviously multiple definitions of both of these words. Uh, I just chose the one that applies to this show the most. Mysticism is a spiritual practice based on the belief that knowledge of spiritual truth can be gained through meditation and prayer. And that kind of helps describe this show. You know, we... We read a lot of things. We were most of us were born into a certain religion, and it's it's really not until we start looking inside that we start to understand things a little more and even find the right questions to ask. Right. So we release a new episode of this show every Friday morning, and you can hear it as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and of course you can listen to all our episodes on our website, themysticshow.net. You can even sign up for the behind-the-scenes emails. I send out these really nice emails once a week, very short, um, with some little tidbits that don't make it onto the show. And, uh, and of course, with a link, usually to the latest show, most recent show. Um, I'd like to thank Pause Your Life. Pause Your Life is a really... Well, let me ask you this question. Have you ever felt in your life that you just needed a break? Like you just wanted to hit the pause button and let like the world freeze and then you have like, you know, three or four days to just chill or maybe two weeks to chill? Well, that is exactly what Pause Your Life provides. Uh, Retreats and meetups. There's a spring retreat coming up. Check out the website. You can learn a lot more. Pauseyourlife.org. Pauseyourlife.org. And on this episode of The Mystic Show, I am really excited and happy to get into the next section of our James Allen book. So we've been reading from this book, and if you've heard any of it, you understand that this is really deep and powerful writing. 
that James Allen does. The topics are amazing. The truth, you know, the truth meter is past 100%. This is just raw, good truth. And it's been my experience on the spiritual path that the more, the higher the teaching that we can listen to and learn from, the, the more quickly we grow and rise. So we've been reading from the book called From Poverty to Power. James Allen wrote, well, published this one in 1901. And the section we're going to read from today is, uh, and by the way, thanks to everybody who sent in feedback that they really love this James Allen, the readings, and also um, some of the ideas I'm I'm talking about. So that's what we'll do. We'll read from this piece, and then, uh, then I have a lot of comments on it, because this is, well, you'll see, again, we're getting into really helpful stuff. And th- th- that's the thing about this show, like, you know, some of these concepts are really, really high, but we can actually try to l- implement them in our own lives. I mean, really, we can. And if, if you do, if you are implementing some of these things, or if you try something new, definitely comment on the, the post on the on the website there, themysticshow.net. So guess what the title, well, you probably already know the title. <laughs> it's, it's probably there already. But the title of the next section is Entering into the Infinite. Entering into the Infinite. And we'll go ahead and start reading this section. From the beginning of time, man, in spite of his bodily appetites and desires, and in the midst of all his clinging to earthly and impermanent things, has ever been intuitively conscious of the limited, transient, and illusionary nature of his material existence, and in his sane and silent moments has tried to reach out into a comprehension of the infinite, and has turned with tearful aspiration toward the restful reality of the eternal heart. Whilst vainly imagining that the pleasures of earth are real and satisfying, pain and sorrow continually remind him of their unreal and unsatisfying nature. Ever striving to believe that complete satisfaction is to be found in material things, he is conscious of an inward and persistent revolt against this belief, which revolt is at once a refutation of his essential mortality and an inherent and imperishable proof that only in the immortal, the eternal, the infinite, can he find abiding satisfaction and unbroken peace. And here is the common ground of faith. Here the root and spring of all religion. Here the soul of brotherhood and the heart of love. That man is essentially and spiritually divine and eternal. And that, immersed in mortality and troubled with unrest, 
he is ever striving to enter into a consciousness of his real nature. The spirit of man is inseparable from the infinite and can be satisfied with nothing short of the infinite. And the burden of pain will continue to weigh upon man's heart and the shadows of sorrow to darken his pathway until, ceasing from his wanderings in the dream world of matter, he comes back to his home in the reality of the eternal. As the smallest drop of water detached from the ocean contains all the qualities of the ocean, so man, detached in consciousness from the infinite, contains within, within him its likeness. And as the drop of water must, by the law of its nature, ultimately find its way back to the ocean and lose itself in its silent depths, so must man, by the unfailing law of his nature, at last return to his source and lose himself in the great ocean of the infinite. To re-become one with the infinite is the goal of man. To enter into perfect harmony with the eternal law is wisdom, love, and peace. But this divine state is, and must ever be, incomprehensible to the merely personal. Personality, separateness, selfishness are one and the same and are the antithesis of wisdom and divinity. By the unqualified surrender of the personality, separateness and selfishness cease and man enters into the possession of his divine heritage of immortality and infinity. Such surrender of the personality is regarded by the worldly and selfish mind as the most grievous of all calamities, the most irreparable loss. Yet it is the one supreme and incomparable blessing, the only real and lasting gain. The mind unenlightened upon the inner laws of being and upon the nature and destiny of its own life clings to transient appearances, things which have in them no enduring substantiality, and so clinging perishes for the time being amid the shattered wreckage of its own illusions." Men cling to and gratify the flesh as though it were going to last forever. And though they try to forget the nearness and inevitability of its dissolution, the dread of death and of the loss of all that they cling to clouds their happiest hours. And the chilling shadow of their own selfishness follows them like a remorseless specter. 
and with the accumulation of temporal comforts and luxuries, the divinity within men is drugged, and they sink deeper and deeper into materiality, into the perishable life of the senses. And where there is sufficient intellect, theories concerning the immortality of the flesh come to be regarded as infallible truths. When a man's soul is clouded with selfishness in any or every form, he loses the power of spiritual discrimination and confuses the temporal with the eternal, the perishable with the permanent, morality with immorality, the error within truth. It is thus that the world has come to be filled with theories and speculations having no foundation in human experience. Every body of flesh contains within itself, from the hour of birth, the elements of its own destruction, and by the unalterable law of its own nature must it pass away. The perishable in the universe can never become permanent. The permanent can never pass away. The mortal can never become immortal. The immortal can never die. The temporal cannot become eternal, nor the eternal become temporal. Appearance can never become reality, nor reality fade into appearance. Error can never become truth, nor can truth become error. Man cannot immortalize the flesh, but by overcoming the flesh, by relinquishing all its inclinations, he can enter the region of immortality. God alone hath immortality, and only by realizing the God state of consciousness does man enter into immortality. All nature in its myriad forms of life is changeable, impermanent, unenduring. Only the informing principle of nature endures. Nature is many and is marked by separation. The informing principle is one and is marked by unity. By overcoming the senses and the selfishness within, which is the overcoming of nature, man emerges from the chrysalis of the personal and illusionary and wings himself into the glorious light of the impersonal, the region of universal truth, out of which all perishable forms come. Let men, therefore, practice self-denial. Let them conquer their animal inclinations. Let them refuse to be enslaved by luxury and pleasure. Let them practice virtue and grow daily into higher and ever higher virtue until at last they grow into the divine and enter into both the practice 
and the comprehension of humility, meekness, forgiveness, compassion, and love, which practice and comprehension constitute divinity. Goodwill gives insight, and only he who has so conquered his personality that he has but one attitude of mind, that of goodwill toward all creatures, is possessed of divine insight and is capable of distinguishing the true from the false. The supremely good man is therefore the wise man, the divine man, the enlightened seer, the knower of the eternal. Where you find unbroken gentleness, enduring patience, sublime lowliness, graciousness of speech, self-control, self-forgetfulness, and deep and abounding sympathy, look there for the highest wisdom. Seek the company of such a one, for he has realized the divine. He lives with the eternal. He has become one with the infinite. Believe not him that is impatient, given to anger, boastful, who clings to pleasure and refuses to renounce his selfish gratifications, and who practices not goodwill and far-reaching compassion, for such a one hath not wisdom, vain is all his knowledge, and his works and words will perish, for they are grounded on that which passes away. Let a man abandon self, let him overcome the world, let him deny the personal. By this pathway only can he enter into the heart of the infinite. And with that, we will just take a quick break to ponder. Okay, welcome back to the Mystic Show. Um, this is a little piece of music I made um, recently, actually. And um, if you'd like to consider supporting the Mystic Show, you can do so in several ways. I just wanted to let you know. You can share each episode on your social media, like Facebook and Twitter. You can give the show a rating and a review in iTunes or Stitcher. That helps a lot. That'll help other people like-minded people find the show. And you can also contribute a dollar or two or three per episode. 
Um, we're using this really cool platform called Patreon, which is great because you can you can pledge a dollar or two per episode, and it's not much money, but it adds up and it helps us to be able to produce the show every week. Um, so, yeah, see that kind of a James Allen reading. I should play music for like 10 minutes and we should all meditate for a while because we really have to <laughs> read and, you know, ruminate on these things. Um, I did make a bunch of notes here. The first one I made was in the beginning, he, this, this is, listen to this sentence. The spirit of man is inseparable from the infinite and can be satisfied with nothing short of the infinite. See, this really rings true for me um, because it's, you know, when we think of the material world and all our desires and fulfilling these desires, we know that we're not satisfied ever, right? The person with the four-bedroom house wants a seven-bedroom house, but as soon as they get a seven-bedroom house, then some of the neighbors have 12-bedroom houses, and so that becomes the goal, and it's just never-ending. I mean, if seven seven bedrooms is enough, then stop there if that's enough, but that's not the way the material world is. That's not how desire works, right? Desire always leads to another desire, usually one that's bigger and and better, (laughs) better in quotes. So this is, you know, the spirit of man being inseparable from the infinite. We can only be satisfied with the infinite. That's why the contentment of someone who is enlightened, because once they become enlightened, they, they've achieved it. They're 100% satisfied and content, irrespective of what's going on in the material world. So that's a big reason why we meditate, right? Because we know our logic helps us understand that, you know, as far as like our reasoning faculty. But meditating is where we really get to feel that. This other, oh, then a couple, a paragraph later, he just spells it outright. To re-become one with the infinite is the goal of man. So to re-become one with the infinite is the goal of man. And I mean, how many, how many saints and sages and, you know, enlightened people have to tell us before we... (laughs) Listen, right? But becoming one with the infinite, that's our goal. And if you think about it in terms of even death, right? Your your bodily death, right? You're going to merge with the universe in some way when you die, right? So the good thing about meditation is that we can sort of practice dying, in a way, uh, before we actually die. And we can actually find out what that's going to be like before it even happens. And what's cool about that is once you already figured that out, or once you know that, then there's no more 
fear of death. Then you transcend all of that. Life, death, okay. So while, while the great saints were here, okay, they were here. They enjoyed it. They taught people. And when it was time to go, it was time to go. It wasn't wasn't that big of a a big deal. And then, of course, one of my other favorite lines, which you, when you heard it, you might have known. Um, and with the accumulation of temporal comforts and luxuries, the divinity within men is drugged. <laughs> right? So the accumulation of comforts and luxuries, is, it really does work against our spirituality. And not because of the comforts and luxuries. It's because of our mindset toward them. This is sort of the, the idea of attachment and non-attachment. You know, it's not necessarily bad to have some comfort and some luxury. But what happens, unfortunately, is we get accustomed to that and we, we get used to that. And our standard of living rises so high and it becomes such a part of our personality and our ego that we will not stand for anything less. I know on my first trip and even pretty much every trip to India, um, I experienced this, especially staying in the ashram, you know, sleeping in a mosquito tent on a marble floor. Of course, they give you a little bit of padding, so it's not marble hard, rock hard, but, um, and the mosquitoes and the food and everything, everything. As as an American who grew up middle class, having a bedroom, a bed, air conditioning, all, you know, food, everything. Um, you know, <laughs> when I went to India, it was a different story and... And that doesn't make it good or bad, but um, I had to deal with that situation and feel those feelings of, oh man, this isn't like it is at home. So comforts and luxuries are can be a big problem, and usually they are. I mean, look look at all the saints, right? Did did the Buddha have a big house and three cars and all this stuff? No. Did Jesus have a big? No. So now <laughs> it doesn't mean we have to sell all our stuff and become poor. However, it'd be good to meditate on this point and be good to look at our own lives and see, Hey, what am I um, ensnared in? What am I entangled in? Cause that's what these comforts and luxuries do. They entangle us into this, made up world becomes our personality and we have to act like that person. We have to continue acting like that person. And that's, that's the, that's the unfortunate trap of life that we get caught up in our ego being someone, a certain someone, and we have to act that out for the rest of our lives. That's a sad state of affairs. Better off, Break out of that. You know, like the Buddha. The Buddha's, a quote from the Buddha, it might have been his last words. He said, 
Remember me as the one who woke up. So spiritually speaking, we're on this journey and we don't know when enlightenment is going to happen. But we should be open for it and we should be ready that, okay, my life might change (laughs) and that's okay. In the same paragraph, he talks about discrimination, which I mentioned last week, and I'm, I am going to prepare a whole episode on discrimination. Um, but he says, when a man's soul is clouded with selfishness in any or every form, he loses the power of spiritual discrimination and confuses the temporal with the eternal, the perishable with the permanent. So this is what happens when we get enmeshed in this material world life of luxury and comfort, we, we lose the discrimination of what is real and what's not real. We start to get upset about things that aren't really that important. Or we might get angry and yell at people over things that aren't really that important. Things that are perishable, as he calls it. It's going to be here for a little bit, and then it's going to be gone. So this discrimination is is very important. He also says, It is thus that the world has come to be filled with theories and speculations having no foundation in human experience. This brings up a whole nother point that most of us just listen to our society. Right? Whatever society tells us, we just pretty much believe it. Or we accept it as a way of life, right? And he says the world has become has come to be filled with theories and speculations having no foundation in human experience. So I don't know that the people selling us all the new technological gadgetry um are they you know They think it's making the world a better place, and in some ways it is, but is there some thousand-year history of technological gadgetry that proves that that's a better way of life? No. So, we have to be careful. We have to go with our, our human experience. And then he talks about, he, he actually lists out a bunch of qualities of the supremely good man, the wise man, right? And I, I, I like this list. I, I just wanted to hear it again. I wanted to read it again. Um, the supremely good man is therefore the wise man, the divine man, the enlightened seer, the knower of the eternal, where you find unbroken gentleness, enduring patience, Sublime lowliness, graciousness of speech, self-control, self-forgetfulness, and deep and abounding sympathy. Look there for the highest wisdom. Seek the company of such a one, for he has realized the divine. He lives with the eternal. He has become one with the infinite. So, you know, I look at those qualities and I'm thinking, how many of those do I have? (laughs) You know, 
I really want to have all these. But here's the thing. I can desire to have all these qualities, but the way to achieve all these qualities is through the inner work of meditation, of regulating the mind, of simplifying our life. So we can't, if you read a lot of those character traits and you want to go out today and start practicing them, it might be really hard because we have to build the inner foundation first. We have to understand more about ourselves. So these qualities are, are of someone who has already been enlightened and this is the way they act. So it doesn't make sense to try to act enlightened before you really are enlightened. We should strive to become enlightened. To have that lightning bolt of realization hit us one day and we say, wow, now I understand. And you realize life on a completely transcendent level and you understand people and you understand hearts and you understand what you have to do, right? I think everything becomes simple at that point. I know for me on my journey, things have become a lot simpler. I haven't reached the utmost simplicity yet, but who knows, coming soon. (laughs) So as you move through your day or your evening, try to think about some of these things. Maybe if you want to write in your journal or, or maybe share the show with a friend and then discuss it, you know? You could even have discussion groups, a weekly discussion group based on the Mystic Show episodes. So I appreciate you listening. And as always, keep shining. <laughs>